I say I can, I can, I can. I can say I can, I can, I can till I'm blue in the face, but if I don't believe I can, I still can. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Did you know that you can bring ideas from Mind Valley into your business? If you go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhumans, you can discover Mind Valley's business offerings so you can bring personal and professional growth to the entire company. If you are the owner of a company, you know that if you invest in your employees' engagement, happiness, and learning, it'll help the bottom line and impact the business positively. And if you wish your company was bringing these kinds of products from Mind Valley Quests, Mind Valley Mentoring, and all the learnings to be a complete high-performance individual in every area of your life, then you definitely want to go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhumans to see how we can get started with working with you. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Campbell, and welcome back to Superhumans at Work. The guest that I have today is an internationally acclaimed speaker who really helps you get a control of your life and your business when it comes to understanding how is it that our emotions play a critical part? Why is change so hard to make? And why are we drawn towards doing the things we know are not necessarily the best things for us to do for our long-term health and wealth, yet we're still drawn to do those things. And when we're looking at a world like we currently are seeing around the coronavirus and COVID-19, there's certain activities that we find ourselves doing that you would think would not need to happen during these times. We usually have more time because we don't need to commute to work, yet procrastination still exists. We're drawn towards distraction. What is happening? And so the guest that I'm bringing for you today, Gary Cox, has written numerous books such as Don't Let Others Rent Space in Your Head, talking about overcoming obstacles, winning at life, and You Can't Fillet Nimble, Your Catch That Counts, How to Make Your Thoughts Disappear, Your Guide to Crushing Obstacles on Your Path to Success. He's been featured on many shows such as The Doctors. He's been a regular contributor to CNNBC's Big Idea. He's been in Success Magazine, Selling Power, you name it. He has been around the world speaking on massive stages and really helping people understand how the mind works and then how do you overcome and do the types of changes that really make you the best version of yourself. If we're ready to be superhuman, this man will get you there. Gary Cox, thank you so much for coming to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Jason, you're awesome. Sounds like you've done some homework, buddy. I appreciate that. You've done your homework. Gary, this is such a unique time and such a fun time to be speaking about what you actually teach. You're really about the mindset. You're talking about change. And right now, we've all been forced to have a big change happen in our lives with social distancing, some people into more strict quarantine controls, et cetera. What, what's going on right now? Like, Why do we have so much resistance to these kinds of change? And what usually happens to us when these changes are forced on us? A lot of the things that are going on, we're getting confused, you know? You look at, for example, a stock market. The stock market reacts to one thing, fear or uncertainty. And when we become uncertain, then we're not sure which way to go. Do we go this way and follow this? Do we follow this? And because there's so many different views, it's hard to know which way to go. What does a confused mind typically do? Nothing. So that's why we need to figure out, you know, where can we create some certainty? And most people don't realize that to create certainty in an uncertain world, sometimes that you can create certainty in knowing that something is not going to work the way you want it to, but at least it gives you certainty. The illustration I tell people is like being in a relationship with a girl, and it was so bad 
it was so uncertain. I said, you know what? I'll get myself some certainty. I'll break up. It may not be the best thing to do, but it at least gives me certainty. So sometimes we can find certainty in challenging times. For example, some people will not get through this very well. Some people will lose a lot of money. But if you're certain about what your future might be, even though it's not the way you want it to be or it's a little imperfect, at least now you have a path to go down and you can become resilient in trying to fix and change it. And I'm really curious to know for you, Gary, like it sounds like you've went and studied this subject deep. You have processes to get people to kind of change their beliefs and get into this place of certainty. What has been your history with dealing these kinds of change? Like, I feel like you've went through this in various aspects in your life. And how has that better equipped you to navigate today? Not to bore you with my crazy story. I was fortunate when I was younger as a teenager to do very well in business. I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, doing over $100,000 a year got married early in my life and things made a huge dramatic change. My wife and I, we had a baby. Then later on, she tells me it's not mine. Major, major pain in life. My grandfather and stepfather died of cancer. Keep in mind, I'm a teenager as this is happening. My uncle gets killed in a plane crash. I get a phone call from my mother to let me know my father had just been shot point blank, drowned in his own blood. I could go on and on and on all by the time I was 21. And I even have things that are way, way more traumatic than that. So I know what it means to go through pain. And my purpose in life is to remove the pain from people. And when you have things stuck in your emotional hard drive, and I refer to anything that is traumatic that you have in your past, that's stuck in your emotional hard drive. And if we don't clean that out, it affects us on a day-to-day basis. It affects us in our relationships. It affects us in our inability to make massive change or change very quickly. So by cleaning out our emotional hard drive, we're able to go forward faster. Gary, thank you so much for sharing that story. I mean, it sounds like you've had to be forced into these situations of uncertainty and things happening as well. And now today, it sounds like, okay, there's no way around it. Like some of us who maybe had a lot of certainty in our lives finally find ourselves in a situation of uncertainty. And so what are some of the principles that you were able to learn through your experiences that can be really helpful for us to get through this right now? Well, one of the big things is the fact that, Jason, we're also programmed to be a slave to our feelings, not a leader of them. So think about it this way. When we feel sad, we typically act sad. When we feel happy, we act happy. Now, what I'm about to share is what we should do, but a lot easier said than done. So typically, when we feel sad, we should try to act what? Happy. Now, why is that so difficult? The difficulty of that is, is because we're actually doing something opposite of how we feel. And we've been programmed, anytime you do anything opposite of how you feel, you're going to feel as if you're lying. And we've been programmed as young kids not to lie. So anytime you try to do opposite of how you feel, in other words, try to lead your feelings, then your mind goes, wait a minute, I'm not feeling comfortable with this. I feel as if I'm lying. And then we go back to the old programming. So what essentially we have to learn to do is we have to learn to do opposite of how we feel at times. For example, when we were younger, when we were you know eight-year-old kids and we didn't feel like going to school, typically what did our parents make us do? go to school. So we were forced to do something opposite than how we felt. Now, at the end of the day of school, did we feel that bad or did we feel pretty good because we ended up playing with our friends? So these are the type of thought processes that we have to learn. But the challenge is, is because we're so programmed from the day that we were born to be a slave to our feelings. So when we're born, what's the first thing that we do? We cry. When we're hungry, what do we do? We cry. We have no control. So think about us doing this for months, weeks, and years. So what happens is there gets to be a point that we get programmed in the young part of our life to be a total slave to our feelings. Now, when we get older, we've got to learn to change that. Unfortunately, 
very few people truly have that mastered. I mean, stop and think about it. If you were to take an entire day of their life, how much of that time would you say you're truly controlled by other things or other people? Or how much of that time are you really leading your feelings or being a slave to them? And we know this is so true because during crisis like this, what happens and what increases? Alcohol consumption increases. Why? Because we can't control our feelings. Opioid increases. Divorce rate increases. We'll have chrono babies in nine months. So maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. There's going to be a lot of those. So this is all typical of what happens when we don't control our feelings. Now you think about it in, in the workforce, when things don't go the way that we want them to go, or we make a suggestion about something and it doesn't get accepted. Well, what happens now, we might get upset or we feel inferior or nobody listens to me. And before you know it, we reward that. So one thing that's very key to keep in mind, Jason, is every time we experience an emotion, positive or negative, we do one of two things. We're either going to ignore it or we're going to reward it, period. So stop and think about that. All of us come to a point or get to a point where like a fork in the road. So every emotion you experience, like I said, if it's a positive one or a negative, we're going to do one of two things. Typically, we ignore or reward it subconsciously. We don't even think about it. But when we have a higher awareness of these things, what happens now, we instantly interrupt it by knowing that we have an awareness to make a choice to do one or the other. Now, what's hard to do is ignore the feeling when it's something not in harmony with our goal. So if we have a feeling of discouragement, maybe rejection, and we know our goal is to keep going forward, what we're actually essentially having to do is do opposite of how we feel. So when you feel discouraged, depressed, now you have to move forward, you're trying to force yourself to do something you don't feel like doing. Well, it's smarter to do that, in other words, ignore it, than reward it, because if you reward it, you're now stuck. In other words, you're going to be like a kite in the wind. Wherever you get blown, that's where you go. Excuse the noise in the back. I've got a cockatoo, and I'm here by myself. And that thing, when he hears somebody talking to me, he wants to get involved. So he is a little PO'd right now with you, Jason. I'm so sorry. <laughs> or maybe, maybe he's upset with me. I don't know, because he's not involved. <laughs> uh, I think everybody wants to have more community here, so we get to include the animals in the conversation as well. There you go. But Gary, I, this is fascinating and reveals to me, and I have so many questions to actually dig deeper. And I love how this idea that if you're not conscious about it, then you're actually autopiloting, ignoring, or rewarding. And it's not necessarily the behavior that you want. And this is going to be a question I wanted to ask you, which is, if I'm feeling a certain emotion, it seems like there's a lot of school of thoughts that are saying you should just let express your emotions as much as possible so that you stay authentic. But what's the counter side to that? Because it feels like then, oh, well, if I'm feeling lazy, I just need to continue being lazy. If I'm feeling like procrastination, I just continue to procrastinate. But is this being inauthentic, like doubling down on continuing to do it without your feeling? That's a phenomenal question because this is an area where people, I think, are not getting the right information. Of course, there's a lot of rules of thought on this and not you know, being judgmental of anybody who agrees or disagrees with me. But here's the thing. If you try to tap into all of your emotions and feelings, you will friggin' be a basket case. There's some emotions that you do not need to tap into. Period, end of story. But keep in mind, every emotion that you feel, let's say you're feeling right now, you're needing to cry about something. It's not the thought, it's the perception of the thought. So then, if you learn to change the thought with the perception, you'll have the exact same situation and naturally have zero desire to cry, whereas before, you had naturally a desire to cry. So this is an incredible state or art of self-mastery. That's what this is. So every emotion that I feel, 
I understand that it is a perception of something. So example, you hear this sometimes, and again, I'll tell you right up front, it's not true. Change your story, change your life. That's impossible, and I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you what the answer should be. That's like if I said, I can't, I can't, I can't. So what's somebody typically going to say to me when I say that? Oh, no, Gary, say you can, you can, you can. All right, so now I take that advice, and I say, I can, I can, I can. I can say I can, I can, I can till I'm blue in the face, but if I don't believe I can, I still can. Next thing that we need to focus on now, it's change your story, believe your story, change your life. That's the key. So you can change your story all day long. You can rewrite your story, but if you don't believe it, you're screwed. Or you can change your story and don't know how to believe it, you're still screwed. So nothing changes till we believe it. That's the key. And that's where the challenge comes in. And this seems to be the part that's missing when people start saying like, you used to use affirmation or you need to just tell yourself a certain story. Like if I go and say, I love selling, I love selling, I love selling. And then I get on the call and I'm like, oh, I hate salespeople. I hate selling. It's what I actually believe, but I've been trying to tell myself it just doesn't magically switch. So what's the missing piece? How do I get into that state of belief if I want to change a behavior? Good point. So let's talk about affirmations a little bit. I'm a believer in affirmations but to a limited point. This is a thought, if you listen to it closely, it could be an aha moment for some people. The more you say a positive affirmation, the less you believe it, that's why you keep saying it. And let me repeat that. The more you keep saying a positive affirmation, the less you believe it, that's why you keep saying it. I was telling somebody earlier today about a roller coaster ride. Let's say somebody is fearful of a roller coaster ride and they're gonna go on it. And they keep saying out loud, it's gonna be okay, it's gonna be okay, it's gonna be okay. What does that tell you? That tells you they don't believe it's going to be what? Okay. But if they believe, truly believed it was going to be okay, they wouldn't have to say it's going to be okay. So when you say an affirmation and you don't believe it, that is your cue to let you know you really don't believe it. How do you know you don't believe it? When you say it and you don't feel it. For example, if I say to you, I'm a man, I say it and I feel it. I know I'm a man. If I say all day long, I'm a woman and I'm a woman, (laughs) I don't feel it. It's probably because I'm not. Now, if I say, I believe I'm going to be able to do this, if I'm true and I acknowledge that I don't believe that on a scale of one to 10, I'm at about a two. My problem now is is to figure out how do I take my two to a 10? Not to worry about the problem. Like, for example, you had mentioned to me earlier that you saw the video of me programming somebody on stage. I think I sent you a video or somebody on my team of a a lady who was phobic with like 4,000 people in the audience. And let's say she used a limited belief of, the snake is slimy, okay? So what I've got to get her to do is I've got to get her to say the snake is slimy and believe it. So right now, she believes it's slimy, so she's lying. So at my events, I encourage people to lie, (laughs) not in a deceitful way, but in a way to start faking your brain out. So this is where you have to become, quote, unquote, unauthentic. You have to do opposite of how you feel because if you don't, you're going to be like a kite in the wind. Wherever you get blown, that's where you go. You have zero control of your emotions. So now, when I work with this lady and I get her to touch the snake or whatever, I'll say to her on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, the new belief is, I don't believe it's slimy or it's not slimy. How much of that do you believe? Now, she goes from a 2 to a 3. Have I made progress? Yes. But does she still believe the snake is not slimy? No, because we're not at a 10. She doesn't feel it yet. So I have to keep doing whatever. She has to keep doing whatever. Notice I haven't said, break through the fear. That's not the problem. 
The problem is what can we do to take our belief from zero to a 10? When you focus on that, you're down a totally different path now. You're on a path of self-mastery, not on a path of, oh my gosh, this is going to kill me. It's going to bite me. It's, gonna, it's a totally different avenue. Then when she says, the snake is not slimy, and I say to you on a scale of 10, 1 to 10, how much of that do you believe? 10, boom, you bought the belief. So how do you know you bought a belief? When you say it and you feel it. So if you say an affirmation and you don't feel it, it doesn't necessarily mean stop saying the affirmation. It means that's your red flag to say, wait a minute, I'm not unauthentic. just means I don't believe it yet. What can I do to keep saying it and quit saying it and get to the point where I believe it no longer have to say it anymore? This is really powerful. And I want to try to see if I could use this as an example and let me know if I'm doing this correctly. So losing again, the example of sales, I'm in a sales department or I'm forced to get into a sales activity, which I'm resisting. And then I say, I am a great salesperson or I love selling. And then you feel how much do you believe it? And let's say you're at a two or a three. In essence, what you're saying is that it's not a question of just repeat it till it's true. It's assess where you are and what do I need to do to bring it up? What can Jason do now to take that two to a four to a 10 where he can say, I enjoy sales. So I enjoy sales. There's times that I didn't, right? So now you've got to figure out what the strategy is. So what is the strategy to enjoy sales? It could be a lot of different things. Everybody has different you know, thought processes behind them. It's quite interesting, Jason, because if I had 10 people right now with the exact same challenge that you have, I would answer each person differently because everybody has a different background and belief system. So I'm going to draw here, and I'll show it to you. I'm going to draw an X with two lines, right? So let's say, Jason, this X is our problem. This is our problem, whatever the limitation is, the block, et cetera. And this is our level of success. Notice this X doesn't move. Watch this. We have a new definition of success here. That's where we want to be in our sales, let's say, as we're using this as an example. So this is your value system. Value is a level of importance you place on something. So right now, this, the problem, has a higher value than our level of success right now. The moment we get the level of success to have a higher value than this, notice it didn't move. This now overrides this, even though we still have the problem, but we're getting more results sooner or later. This will suppress this. Mm, so if I understand this correctly, and I want to explain this for the people that are just listening, is that we basically have a level. It's a level like on a chart that moves up and you'll have a problem that exists, which is above the level of your current success range that you want. Yes. Your value of success. The value of success. And so if the problem doesn't interfere with your current evaluation for your success, then the problem remains. But as you push your boundaries on how successful you want to be, and that problem becomes in the way of you achieving that success, that's when you start having a conflict. Did I understand that correctly? Yes. Remember, when we think of value, you want to think of the level of importance you place on something. So what we're doing now, when we have obstacles and problems, essentially on a subconscious level, typically, but sometimes on a conscious level, we're placing a higher level of importance on the rejection than we are our so-called goal of success. When we have a higher level of success, we will get on the phone if we have to cry all day long because we have a higher level of success now than we do the problem. The problem may still be there, but now because we have a higher level of success, we're going to do things differently till the belief changes and then that problem will no longer exist. That can take a minute, it could take a month, it could take a week, everybody's gonna be a little different. 
I love this. So in essence, what we're saying is that when you start having really strong and clear goals about the success you want, the goals you want to hit, the value that you perceive on how important that is in your life, you start actually addressing more of the core issues and actually start being, quote unquote, making a decision to ignore the things and the feelings that get in the way from getting the success that you want. And then what happens now, your brain, Jason, you start looking for different ways to increase your value of success. It might be go looking for a car, do more for church and charity. So you realize, you know what? I need more money to help more people or whatever it is. And this is what I've done. And a lot of times when it comes to sales and problems like this, a lot of problems that we have, especially like in sales, people do it enough to hate it. So if you do it enough to hate it, I mean, let's look at it reasonably. In sales, we get a lot more no's than we do yeses. And if we have our standards very low where we think we can only have to make, you know, five phone calls a day when typically we should be making 50 or 60, well, now you've only made five phone calls. Probably four out of five of those are all no. Some people are nasty. And then now you got that playing in your head. What I did literally is when I started in sales, I was in the jewelry business when I was young. That's where I made the money I was making. And the jewelry business was great, Jason, because I just advertised in the newspaper. We had newspapers back then. And people would just come to me and I only had two questions. Are you there to rob me or what are you here to buy? And that was basically it. I get into this business and now I got to sell. Nobody knows who I am. I got to make phone calls. And I put myself in a room behind my jewelry store and I sat there with the phone and I would say, okay, I want this bad enough. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Prove it. The moment I say prove it, what did I do? I picked up the phone instantly. I did not have a hesitation. I stuck myself in the room. I said, I'm going to go 15 minutes. I'm going to do whatever it takes in 15 minutes. I'm going to cry through it, die through it. I literally cried. I was in tears. I hated it so much. But my level or desire for success became greater than my tears and my pain and my problem for making the phone calls. Now, sooner or later, things shift. How does it shift? It shifts if you do it enough and you get a sale and it feels good. Now you connect selling to good feelings. If you do it enough to hate it, all you can do is connect pain to selling because you don't make enough phone calls to do the activity necessary to have more success. Brilliant. Gary, this is powerful stuff. And we're talking here about how people can get really clear on the success they want, the value that they place on it to make sure that they can overcome the obstacles necessary. And taking it away from the sales, which we went on a deep dive here, is if you're having issues communicating with colleagues, then you'll actually still go to make those communications when you realize it relates to more success. You'll start developing your skills or nurturing your growth and the personal growth, maybe going to study more of the material that you need to become an expert, listen to more podcasts, listen to taking the Netflix out of the way because that feels good and you're rewarding because your value of success is not as high. Now you're being like, wait, I'm just going to go and learn one thing. I'm just going to go and study one more minute so then you're actually getting yourself right in the zone to back into a growth state. And everything you just said there, Jason, because you got it, is getting you to identify all the excuses that we make. And that's why one of the reasons that we're not getting because our value system isn't high enough yet. Belief may not be high enough either. There's only two things that cause us to have the design motivation to succeed. It's value and belief. You cannot have one without the other. You'll hear a lot of people say belief is everything. That is bull crap. Belief is not everything. There's a lot of people out there that believe. They don't have a high enough value. So all they are is a believing person that doesn't take action. Here's what I focus on more than anything. I focus on my value and belief all day long. If I wake up and I don't feel motivated or driven, I don't need to listen to a tape or get myself in a bunch of music. What I do is I figure out what's wrong with my value and belief. That's it. That's the answer. So here's an example. I write down my goals. I try to write them down every day. I got goal after goal after goal. I repeat it. I rewrite it the next day. I rewrite it the next day until I knock it out. Right? Now, 
One day, Monday morning, I might write down my goals. I'm going to make it happen. I feel pumped. The next day, I wake up, get ready to write the exact same goals down, and I go, this is bullcrap. You ain't going to make this happen. What's really bullcrap? What bullcrap is, is I, I, I take responsibility. I allow something to get into my head to either lower my value and or belief. And it could be a lot of things. It could be a dream. How many times they had a dream? You woke up and you weren't sure if it was real or not. It makes you get up on the wrong side of the bed. You got a bad attitude. You're pissed off or whatever. Or maybe the night before you had a potential customer hang up on you. Now you wake up in the morning and you're in a bad mood. Why are you in a bad mood? Something affected our what? Value and or belief. Now if we can identify what it is, we have the power to change it. Boom, we rock and roll. And if we can't figure it out, what do we do? Here's a powerful statement. Here's what you do when you can't figure it out. When my feelings are not in harmony with my goals, ignore my feelings. This is where we go to ignore, don't reward. So now, for whatever reason, let's say I can't get my value and belief high enough. Something's just pissing me off. I don't know what it is. What do I do now? What do I do? What's the course that I need to take no matter how I feel? It's 50 phone calls or sit-ups or whatever it is I do in my routine. I make sure I do it no matter how I friggin' feel, period, end of story. Oof. So I feel like this is a powerful lesson for a lot of the listeners that felt like, oh, I'm just going to follow the emotion, which typically leads you towards an easier path, a path of less resistance. And I think during these times more than ever, we're kind of just wired for just short-term gains and we're lacking clarity on the long-term goals because there's so much changings all the time. And so from the period that we are right now, a lot of people might be, again, in quarantine, working remotely, dealing with all these changes is where we started. What is it that we can do to make sure that we know what the goals are again, even as we had shifts in the environment and that we associate enough value to those goals so we can get back on track in these times? Yeah, well, one I think is the, one of the best ways to have that clarity is to write your goals down. I'm a firm believer in that. I really am. Years and years ago, I never used to do that. And one of the reasons I didn't, because I was very, very focused. But I found out by writing them down, I could be more focused. Another reason I write them down is what I alluded to with you earlier. When you write them down one day, you might feel so excited about it. The next day, you write the exact same goals, and you don't even think it's believable. So that's my measuring rod to let me know what happened. Where's my belief system today? What's going on? And this is how I can measure my mental health, if you will. That, I find, is one of the best things to do. And then the other thing is, do you have certainty after this? Can you see clearly after this? If you can't, you have to figure it out. A simple example, just to show you how powerful the human mind is. I remember, you know, when I was going through everything, I felt destitute. I had zero hope. And remember, hope is the anchor to the soul. And when we don't have hope, our world can cave in and collapse. So I knew one thing. I knew I had to create hope. Now, people could come to me and say, Gary, what about this? What about that? What about this? Well, if that doesn't sink for me and give me the hope, then it's not going to work. I'll never forget this. I was driving alone from Alabama to Atlanta, Georgia, and I was massively depressed. I came up with an idea to give me hope, and it was the craziest idea. You might think about it and say, that's absolutely nuts, but you'll see it makes sense. I was single at the time, and I said to myself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm on the road for years. I'm going to write my future wife every day and tell her about my experience, what it's going to be like to look for her. I created hope. I would drive and I say, okay, today I have a speaking engagement. I wonder if I'm going to find my wife in the audience. I'm going to go to the grocery store today. I wonder if she's going to be there. It's simple and silly, but if it gave me hope, it gave me a reason to wake up. You just don't know. So those are very important things. And 
Notice I'm not saying, you know, you can do it, you're great, you're wonderful. And yeah, we are great, amazing people. We're human beings. But we have to have the strategies. And when we have specific strategies, it's like, you probably know I'm an obsessed aviation fan. I fly everything from helicopters, jets, the, the whole nine yards. When we have an emergency, we just don't go, holy crap, I got an emergency. We have a checklist. We as humans need a checklist. I have an emotional checklist. I know when the crap hits the fan, this is what I do. I shared some of that with you. I identify what's my value and belief right now. What did I allow externally to change my value and belief? All right, I got it figured out. Great. All right, now I don't have it figured out. What do I have to do? When my feelings are not in harmony with my goals, ignore my feelings. I had a huge amount of problems today, massive amount of problems today. But I know one thing and I do it subconsciously and I don't have to think about it anymore. Gary, when my feelings are not in harmony with my goals, ignore my feelings. That forces me to do what? Take action. Period. End of story. No matter how I feel. It's like running a marathon. You don't see people running a marathon and they're smiling. Man, this is fun. They're ignoring the pain. And they know there's a prize at the end. So if you don't have the belief that there's a prize at the end, you won't ignore the pain. You'll reward it. You'll cave in. Gary, thank you so much for coming on the show and giving us so many actionable ways of looking at things differently when it comes to how do we navigate during uncertain times and how do we actually look at the way that we feel and how they align with the goals. For everybody listening, this was really like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, wow, I need to listen to this again because we talked about how it's not being inauthentic if you're not acting according to your feeling. Instead, you want to make sure that you have your beliefs and your value cranked up as high as possible so that you're actually going to ignore the feelings when they're not in alignment with your goals. I love this idea that if you're repeating the affirmation over and over again, it's proof that you probably don't believe it. And instead, you got to affirm, see how much you believe it, make sure you believe it before it becomes a reality. And so that action step is actually asking yourself, what can I do now to increase the belief in the statement of what you're trying to accomplish, what you're trying to set as an affirmation? When you do that, you start solving more problems and again, bringing you into action. I think we are naturally built not to resist change. We are naturally built to go towards the easiest path. But if you want to be a superhuman and you want to grow, then this is the time that you're going to be using the tools that were shared in this episode to step into the goals that you want to set for yourself. Write them down daily. And this exercise just keeps you to have a compass on how am I emotionally aligned to these goals that I've set? And if it's not perfectly aligned, you have to realize that you might need to ignore the feelings so you can get right back on track and doing the things that you know will get you through this period and through any period in the future, as long as you have goals that are pulling you forward. And the last thing that I really like that Gary said is if you're finding yourself not having that hope, find an activity or something that's important to you that can give you that hope because it attaches to your soul and really fuels and nurtures you as a human that you can get back on track and thrive after this whole period is over. Gary, once again, thank you so much for coming here and sharing so many tools and for everybody listening here. Thank you so much for joining us. Listen to this again. Go and check out Gary Cox. There's so many resources we're going to add in the show notes so you can learn more from him and step into your best self. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast.